Welcome to the Business Extra. I'm Mustafa Al Rawi, the National's Assistant Editor in Chief. Kelsey Warner, how are you? Good. Good to be here. Good to be here too. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Air Mageddon, travel chaos. Air Mageddon, yeah, travel chaos. Well, a tale of two, two travel stories really. One regionally, which is slightly brighter, and I think kind of what's playing out what we're seeing in European and American skies, which is seemingly slightly more chaotic these days. Well, you, we may have all seen the pictures of of queues in airports, uh, baggage piling up, uh, flights cancelled. Um, initially started in Europe, particularly short haul. Now it's in the US, domestic flights. Um, and as you said, um, you know, Emirates and Etihad, uh, other regional airlines have actually been uh, doing okay uh, during this difficult period. And why is it difficult? Because uh, demand is shot back. Yeah, we're headed into peak summer. And capacity isn't necessarily where, where it would be. Um, so in a moment, we're going to talk to an expert on this, which is the Nationals aviation correspondent, Dina Kamel. But before we do that, please do subscribe. And if you're on YouTube, ring that bell. Dina Kamel, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to be here. So we spoke actually about a year ago before you went to the IATA, the industry conference in Boston. And at that time, it was 2021, they were coming out of the pandemic. And of course, the aviation industry was hit harder than most, perhaps, maybe the hardest when planes were literally grounded uh, around the world. And now a year later, you've just been to Doha for IATA's annual meeting as well, where I, th I think you were telling me before we started recording, the, the mood was, was much more upbeat than last year. That's right. I mean, the industry um, executives certainly seem to be a lot more optimistic this year at the IATA gathering um, that happened in Doha just last month. Um, the vibe is definitely a lot more energetic, a lot more optimistic. Um, you know, they're they're looking at a brighter recovery with profitability starting to come back in 2023, uh, you know, narrower losses um, predicted for 2022. Um, so definitely and, and demand coming back with this huge surge. Um, um, so this is all definitely good news for the industry, but it is now grappling with a different set of sa uh, challenges after, you know, two years of the COVID disaster. So now... Um, yeah, I'm interested in hearing a little bit more about, okay, vibe on the ground. The CEOs are all positive, feeling cheerful. The, you know, scenes at airports that Mustafa just described um, are kind of in contrast to that to that feeling. But I also want to ask just, okay... So they're feeling they're feeling positive, but um, just we a year ago we're talking to you about you know the non-return of the business traveler or the new normal, this shift to remote and less travel, but mm -hmm. demand is just surging back. So how are they how are they balancing this? Are they balancing it well? Um, so they're definitely at a point and. In their operations where they're starting to ramp up, right? They're um, adding more planes back to the fleet. They're trying to hire more people as fast as, fast as they can um, to meet that giant jump in, in demand. You know, the travel restrictions are quickly falling away um, around the world. People, you know, sick of lockdowns for two years, want to travel again. Um, you know, the summer people are, are making travel plans. Where are we going? Um, so, so there's that surge in demand on one side, but the supply is not able to to keep up on the airline side. And what that means is um, there's a huge shortage of uh, of staff. Um, we're, we're up to a point where it's actually 
hurting airlines' ability to meet um, this incredible increase in demand. So what's happening is, you know, a lot of the staff, a lot of their um, the airlines let go of um, staff during COVID because, you know, there wasn't enough um, air, airplanes flying. Um, you know, a lot of these aviation workers then didn't want to come back to the industry. They'd found um, work elsewhere and other industries work that offered them a lot more flexibility, a lot more relaxed hours. Um, and some of them just got put off by the um, the uncertainty and and um, the ups and downs of, of the aviation industry um, and, and just didn't want to come back. So airlines are now facing a smaller um, pool of talent um, which is compounded by the fact that it takes a really long time for them not just to recruit staff, but also to train them. So this is very specialized work. You know, if we're talking about pilots, we're talking about, you know, crew. We're talking also about it takes a lot of time to get uh, security clearances, to get background checks um, done. So all of this is is slowing down the training and recruitment process. It's slowing down the number of people that are able to to staff, you know, everything from from the aircraft to baggage handling and everything in in between so so this is uh really constraining airlines um capacity and and their ability to to meet demand and that's why one of the reasons um we're also seeing such high uh, airfare and and also it's a reason why the there's no quick fix to this um obviously demand can be seasonal um we'll see you know, the peaks over summer, then it'll quiet down a bit and then sort of Christmas and New Year will pick up again um, and hopefully things will ease. But the picture, if we come away from Europe and the US where things are particularly strained uh, in terms of capacity, unable to meet demand. And, and, and I think the only solution is going to be to literally cancel flights in advance and not to have the chaos we're seeing in the airport. So, so as you said, just there, probably airfares will get higher. Um, and that'll be the, the 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 compound of that problem. But in this region, in the Middle East and the Gulf in particular, they're recruiting, they're hiring people, they're able to be more competitive. The planes are brand new that they're bringing on. I mean, most recently, Etihad flew, flew its A350 to New York. So can so can Gulf Airlines grow in isolation of bigger problems in other regions uh, with with their competitors in Europe, in the US, or other other airlines and airports, or will they need the entire industry to be able to get back on track for them to also meet all their plans. So we have to remember that the Gulf Airlines are also competing for the same uh, very limited uh, pool of talent of aviation workers that you know all the other airlines are are trying to get a piece of. So what's happening here is you know we we've talked to airlines like Had Airways. We've talked to you know um, uh, Tim Clark, the president of Emirates Airlines, to ask about how they were um, dealing dealing with this issue in in contrast with the chaos you know that, that we're seeing in Europe and in the U.S. Um, and what they've done is both airlines have um, started this process fairly early. So they were able to uh, get the gist or, or able to forecast that demand is starting to pick up. The recovery is starting to pick up. They saw the signs of this happening early on. So back in that October, the end of last year, um, they actually started their recruitment campaigns globally for, for cabin crew. Um, they started to call back um, some of the pilots uh, that uh, they had let go during the pandemic, as everybody else had. Um, And they were able to recruit some of these alumni um, uh, pilots. 
And so, you, you know, we, we've talked to Tim Clark at Emirates who, who said they've, they've been so busy, you know, recruiting 40, 50 pilots a month that their training facilities are, are up to capacity, you know, they're, they're maxed out. Um, similarly, you know, um, the National went to visit Etihad's um, uh, cabin crew training facility um, where, you know, they, they've just got new people coming in uh, every week from these global recruitment drive they've been holding. The next few weeks, they're going to be going to countries like Lebanon, Jordan, Germany, Italy, Turkey, Thailand, uh, to recruit more crew. So starting early um, and tapping um, the, the, the talent that they had before, uh, that also helps with, with the training um, side of things because, you know, they've, they've already trained them before. This is sort of uh, retraining in, in, in the same capacity. So they're they're able to um, really get a head start on on this issue. I just want to say, so so much of the story you're telling is a hiring story, but we're also in the midst of record high energy prices, record high oil prices, and affordability is becoming a real issue for travelers. As ticket prices, you as you mentioned earlier, have been going up. How much can the industry stand in terms of take these rising ticket prices and? How do we expand this narrative a bit more beyond it being a hiring story? What are energy prices um, kind of inflicting pain? Is that something you heard at IATA last month? Uh, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, um, there was there was a lot of chatter at IATA about this perfect storm that's being um, that's circling the industry right now, where you've got you know this massive jump in jet fuel prices, and remember, jet fuel is. Um, the single biggest cost um, of an airline. So depending on the size of its fleet and so on, it could be, you know, um, up to 25% of its total cost. So that's substantial. Labor costs are the second biggest um, cost item, uh, operational costs for an airline. So those two are really weighing heavily on um, on airlines. Um, there's the fact that you've got rising interest rates, um, weaker economic um, activity, a, a weaker global economy, um, and 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 you know these are all uh, causing a lot of pressure for for airlines. And when we talked to the head of um, IATA, Mr. Uh, Willie Walsh, who is also um, ex head of IAG, he said that yes, these are it is a perfect storm. These are difficult circumstances, but that the industry will get through. This is for the industry. "Quote unquote business as usual compared at to at least they're back in the skies, right? Is Com that is that the new high water mark compared to the last two years of the, the, the real you know mm. the real pain and suffering that they um, that they went through? You know, we're talking about grounded fleets and, and, and barely any flying. So um, this for them is is something that they've faced before um, and that they will handle again um, as far as as far as he's concerned." Yeah, I, I find it interesting that despite all the challenges out there that Willie Walsh and, and other execs are, are feeling quite optimistic about things. Um, so if we move sort of more medium term and long term, um, do they, do they, you said that profitability back in 2023, but also growth, is that what they're expecting? Um, definitely, yeah. They're they're expecting the the industry to um, uh, to start, uh, as you say, incurring profits in, in 2023, which is, I'm sure, a very Again, welcome relief. Um, uh, growth starting out from 2024 onwards um, before things get back to pre-pandemic uh, levels. Um, but it's it's an uphill um, it's an uphill climb. 
really, because you've got to think about um, these higher costs because of um, jet fuel, because of interest rates, because of um, labor costs. Um, it certainly doesn't it certainly doesn't come easy. So, Dina, I just want to ask you, IATA is ultimately an industry body working in the interest of the airlines. So I want to ask about the plight of the traveler and just when can, you know, air traffic, air passengers expect for this situation to get better in light of this rather rosy picture you're painting from the airlines as to growth and profitability? That's a great question. As you say, um, IATA is a lobby body for um, airlines. Um, and when really pinned down on that question of, you know, the pain that the consumers are facing um, during the peak summer travel season, um, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, um, you know, Willie Walsh was um, very clearly saying, like, look, this is um, a problem that the industry is is working on, might take, you know, a few weeks or a few months uh, to get on top of, but, you know, they're working as hard as they can um, to to get there. And, uh, Tim Clark, the president of Emirates Airlines, you know, he was also saying um, that the logistical and operational problems that the aviation industry is seeing is not unique to aviation uh, alone. It's, you know, other um, industries are also facing shortages, you know, whether it's the automotive industry or others. With aviation, it becomes a lot more visible because this is very much uh, consumer-oriented, consumer-facing uh, industry. It's something that's very um, integral to a lot of people's um, lives. And, and that's why it's, uh, it's, it's highlighted a lot more and it's, uh, it's a lot more visible. Um, but definitely more painful um, on the consumer side to be on the receiving end of, you know, losing your uh, bag or queuing for hours or, you know, facing delayed or canceled flights in, in the last minute. It's, it's, it's not great and it's frustrating. Um, the, the airlines say that they're working as, as hard as they can on this. Um, on, so they're juggling that sort of consumer frustration on one end. Um, but a lot of airlines in Europe are also facing, you know, um, uh, pilot strikes and, and worker strikes um, over various things, you know, such as uh, wages and, and other grievances. So they're, they're kind of uh, handling um, things from, <laughs> from both sides. Um, it's, it's a tough spot to be in. Dina Camel, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Until the next time. That's it for today. Kelsey Warner, thank you. Good to be here. All that remains to thank our production team and you all for being with us. Goodbye.